0: praise God everybody we greet you in the grace, peace, joy and love of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ love to the family thank God for his love that we can share with one another, now listen there's one command that everybody can adhere to, if the Lord commanded us to sing on tunes some of us can't carry a tune in a bucket if he says sing in harmony, we'd be in trouble But he said, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Come on, everybody can make some noise. Isn't that right? Yeah, everybody can make some noise. For those who are watching us via the World Wide Web in the privacy of your homes, let me take this opportunity to thank you for being with us. Thank you for the privilege of your time, allowing us into your space to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to be all that God wants you to be. Remember... You're not watching to make us a big church or me a big preacher. We're here to help you become the biggest and best Christian that you can possibly be. Like us, love us, share us with family members and friends and let them know there's never been a better time for hope. Let me thank everyone who sojourned with us on last week down to the country, to the Mother Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Bay City, Texas, where we went to encourage my mentee, Pastor Clement Hall in his second pastoral anniversary there. And uh, we're praying for he and his family that God will continue to bless and use them in a powerful, powerful way. Uh, As we come to this last Sunday of Black History Month, I thought I would share with all of you a little bit of history that you may or may not be aware of. So for some of you, I'm gonna give you some new information. For others, I'm gonna give you a reminder. Um, this is the only Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, early voting availability for the primary elections, and you know, you may or may not be aware of the fact that uh, primary election, election voting uh, in the state of Texas is a direct result of the work of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. Um, This church founded by Father Samuel Grantham in 1872 was founded by freed slaves who came to the fourth ward and worshipped under a brush arbor. And in 1944, uh, a landmark case was handed down by the Supreme Court of these United States, Smith versus Allwright. Uh, Lonnie Smith was the plaintiff against... Uh, Mr. Allwright, who was the election official here in Harris County. Lonnie Smith was a dentist. He was a trustee at the Good Hope Church, and he was chosen to be the plaintiff in that lawsuit because uh, 90% of his business was in the African-American community, and they did not feel that white people could hurt his business uh, when he went public with his lawsuit. The lawsuit was basically this, the Democratic primary was treated like it was a private party. And so black people could not vote in the Democratic primary in Harris County. They were not allowed, it was closed off to them. And Dr. Lonnie Smith sued, case was argued in front of the Supreme Court by then, Young upcoming attorney, Thurgood Marshall. 1944, the Smith-All-Right uh, verdict was rendered and it was deemed that it would be illegal to keep black people from voting in a primary election in Harris County. And that, of course, set a precedent to dismantle the Jim Crow voting regulations that had been in place since slavery and moving into reconstruction. And I say that because we are now in primary season. There was a time when we could not vote in the primary, but because of the work of this church in 1944, we're now able to vote. Come on, somebody thank God for that. Now, I don't want to assume that you're all Democrats um, because I know God is too big to be labeled by any one party. Amen. Um, But here's what I do want to do. I want to encourage you to get out and vote. Uh, We voted in November at something like 7% of registered voters. And it's hard to complain about what you get when you don't do anything to determine what you get. And so I want to encourage you to get out and vote. This is the only Sunday you can vote. If you're registered in Harris County, you can follow and vote anywhere in Harris County. And if you live in other counties, you can do the same. uh, On today and this week, Uh, we can get our early voting done. You don't have to wait till election day. Many, many important races are going on, including uh, for uh, Congressional seat 18. Uh, Former council member Amanda Edwards is running against uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. Um, And again, I don't tell you who to vote for. I just want to encourage you to vote. We know the record. We know the work that people have done. um, But it's important that you exercise your right to vote. Somebody say amen for that. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Man, thank God for our rooted and grounded discipleship culture, what God is doing in the life of our church Uh, We are in the process of working to become all that God wants us to be. We're moving into week seven. This week, you are shaped to serve God, and we're going to be talking about that today. PDL groups, you're back on your reading schedule, uh, and everyone should be winding up your service projects this week. Now, remember, as servants of God, our serving projects should never be taken, or based on convenience, they should reflect our commitment to be the salt and light that God has called us to be. So everybody's not going to have a need for your group to serve from 9 to 11 on Saturday morning. Amen? Uh, We want to find out when those groups need salt and light, when they need help the most, And we want to show up and show out. We have groups that are serving even today. Some who came at 8 o'clock and they were on their way to their service projects uh, for the 10 o'clock service. Because we don't just want to come to church or have church. We want to be church. Amen. And so I want to encourage all of you to get your service projects done. uh, Make the sacrifice. Make the commitment to be To others, what the Lord desires us to be. Man, we got a great testimony today. Uh, This young man was a little boy when I came here. um, I preached for his dad. And when I say little boy, he was a little boy, uh, young. And now I look up to him. um, And I was blessed to have him as part of my life group. Um, His mother went home to be with the Lord, that was part of his testimony. Uh, but he's a great, great young man, and uh, you're going to be blessed by his rooted and grounded testimony today. Let's hear his testimony.
1: I was blessed by participating in Rooted. One standout aspect for me is that it reignited my daily engagement in the word. I've been consistent attending church and listening to sermons and Bible studies throughout the week, but I've been slacking and studying the word daily for myself. Rooted reinstated this habit. I highly recommend participating. The curriculum is well-crafted and the impactful experience and sharing in a small group made a truly enriching journey. Being new to Good Hope Rooted provide an opportunity to connect with people. Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I'll end with this excerpt from the Rooted curriculum. Our hope is not in the fact that God is going to fix every problem we face in the way that we want. He rarely does. The hope is knowing God goes with us through this difficult time and comforts, strengthens, guides, and carries us through. Thank God for Rooted and Grounded. Yeah.
0: Thank God for Brother Titus. Uh, just great young man. His, his mother, V, who went home to be with the Lord, uh, taught my children piano uh, when they were kids. And as I said, um, I got a chance to... Uh, preach for his dad. His dad and I went to the same seminary, uh, and so just grateful and thankful to uh, see that testimony. Don't forget, registration for Spring Rooted and Grounded gets started on March the 3rd. March the 3rd, our spring session will begin April the 7th, and I really need some of y'all, man, just to step up and have the courage and trust God to become facilitators of life groups. It's going to take your experience to the next level. Even if you do the same curriculum that you've already done, I'm telling you, as a facilitator, it's going to take you to the next level. And if you don't think you can do it by yourself, recruit running your friends and tell them, hey, we're going to be co-facilitators together. But it's going to bless you in a special, special way. Some of you have your facilitator registration forms. Check your spam. Make sure that you got it. Uh, You were recommended by your group leaders to be a group leader. And those of you who are doing service projects, make sure you upload your pictures. Speaking of uploading your pictures, we got some pictures from our Chicago Rooted and Grounded group. Our Chicago Rooted and Grounded group. Yeah, check them out. So listen, uh, on yesterday, the Chicago Rooted members at Chicago, Illinois, From Sharon Barnes and Timothy Butts' group volunteered at two separate locations. Over 1,000 meals were prepped for Fight to Feed in Chicago. (laughs) And they prepped lunches to donate to South Suburban Pads, a foundation that works diligently to provide shelter for the homeless. Come on, let's thank God for that. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, and that's our goal, to take hope to the world, and I want to share with all of you who are watching, man, I'm going to be doing some personal invitations. We're getting ready to take I Hope Church to the next level, and we're looking to expand what we're doing in the 162, 163 countries that we're being watched in, and I'm looking forward to you being part of that. We want to build some critical mass where we have people who are watching in larger numbers, like in Mexico, in Canada, in the UK, in the Dominican Republic. Um, also partnering with Grace School of Theology to help churches in the Philippines and other parts of the world, Kazakhstan. And we're looking forward to what God is going to do, and we want you to be a part of it. Now, last but not least, listen. How many of y'all know somebody who has student loans that they want to get rid of? Raise your hand if you know somebody. If they're yours, you can raise both hands, right? (laughs) So listen, tonight on Real World Real Talk, 90.9, The Choice, your community radio station. (laughs) I'm going to be hosting a two-hour special show tonight, starting at 6 o'clock, on how to get rid of your student loan debt. There have been a lot of shifts and changes that the government has been making in the Biden-Harris administration that a lot of people don't know about. You remember when the president first tried to get that student loan debt, and they were like $10,000, and I heard people say, man, $10,000, God, they ain't even a scratch in the dent. it ain't nothing, right? Listen, uh, I just had a testimony at the end of the 8 o'clock service when I announced this because this is not only for those of you who were students but for parents as well who took out loans to pay for your child's education, you can get those forgiven as well. One of our members got $68,000 forgiven on Friday. Yeah, some of y'all ready to start shouting already. You're like, wait a minute, hold on. What, what time is that on again? What time is that on? Yeah. Uh, one of our former members got her PhD and was able to consolidate her student loan from the PhD that she just recently got with her undergraduate loan, which took the PhD loan back in time to when she first got her undergraduate loan, and she got almost one hundred and ninety-seven thousand dollars forgiven. Y'all not praying with me? I, somebody ought to be shouting right now. Somebody. So that's tonight, 6 p.m. on Real World Real Talk on KTSU 90.9 on the FM dial and KTSURadio.com. From 6 to 8, I'm going to be on tonight and uh, we're going to be taking phone calls. So make sure you spread the word. I want to help as many people as possible around the country. Amen. Amen. Let's go to God and pray and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we bless you and we thank you for today. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight. May you be glorified, may your people be edified, and may the devil be horrified at the life change that will take place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So whatever field you are in, whatever you're doing... Uh, Especially if you are in leadership, you want to identify greatness. Uh, Now, it's easier to identify greatness once greatness manifests itself. But it would be really good if you could identify the signs of greatness. Let me give you an example. Everybody, I think, would agree universally that the best quarterback in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes. And, and most of us would agree that he is great. Now, you may not be a Chiefs fan, but, but it's hard to take away from the brother, you know, three Super Bowl titles, right? Uh, this, this, this brother has, has shown himself to have a level of greatness that nobody else has been able to show in recent memory outside of the retired Tom Brady. Here's what's interesting. When he was coming out of the draft, Nobody was celebrating Patrick Mahomes. Nobody was even talking about Patrick Mahomes. He, he wasn't scheduled to be the first pick in the draft or the second pick of the draft. Nobody saw him as a generational talent except Andy Reid, coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid was so convinced of his talent and his potential for greatness that he traded Alex Smith, who was a former number one pick in the NFL draft, who was playing some of the best football of his life. He traded him and turned the team over to Patrick Mahomes. And folk were like, has Andy lost his mind? What in the world was Andy thinking about? And in six years as a starter, Patrick Mahomes has won three Super Bowl titles. Now, you and I both know if they could do that draft over... Who would be the number one pick? Oh, man, there were quarterbacks that were bigger, stronger, could run faster. But they would all say, I'll take Patrick Mahomes, number one. But people did not recognize greatness. We all want greatness. We want great employers if you are an employee. You, you want to work for a company that's great. A friend of mine got hired to work at the Walmart headquarters in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas. Bentonville, Arkansas. I said, man, what what is it like? He said, man, they called me and they offered me a job and I told them I think I needed about 30 days and they said, well, it'd be better if you could come sooner. And he said, well, why is that? He said, because if you wait until 30 days, uh, you won't be eligible for the bonuses or stock options from last year's sales and we had record sales. He said, how soon do you need me there? (laughs) Bentonville, Arkansas. But he talks about, man, how great the company is to work for. I've heard flight attendants who work for uh, Southwest Airlines talk about how great it is to work for Southwest Airlines, that they they really have an employee-friendly culture. You want great school teachers, right? You want great school teachers teaching our kids and, and you want those student outcomes to be what they need to be. But but the question I want to ask you today is, what is the sign that you are a great Christian? Like, like we, we know what the sign is if you're a great ball player, right? You got great statistics and great numbers. We, we know the sign if you're a great chef because you've got great recipes and great food what what's the sign that you are a great Christian Mm, some of us measure how great we are as a Christian by our faithfulness in coming to church every Sunday and if we come to church every Sunday we think we're a great Christian and some would say no 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 you're not a great Christian you're a good Christian but you're not a great Christian you don't become a great Christian until you come to Sunday school and Sunday morning No, 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 no. If you really want to be a great Christian, you come to Bible study and Sunday morning. That's that's when you are really a great Christian. Well, well, wait a minute. Hold on now. If you're going to be great, you got to add giving on there. You got to be faithful in your giving, right? You, You got to be faithful in your ministry involvement if you are going to be a great Christian. My brothers and sisters, Jesus defines for us what it means to be a great Christian. And what's interesting is when Jesus talks about what it means to be a great Christian, he doesn't talk about where you stand or where you sit. He defines your greatness as a Christian by how you serve. Now, what may shock some of you is he does not count the serving you do in the sanctuary. Jesus says... You are great when your service is seen, not in here, but out there. For a few moments today, I want to talk to you from the thought, the sign, you are a great Christian. The sign, you are a great Christian. James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, start some trouble. They start kicking off some stuff. Because James and John start asking some questions and start trying to position themselves as to who was the greatest disciple. Here they are in the presence of Jesus, but they are more focused about who they are than who Jesus is. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 33. And they came to Capernaum, And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? Because they back there talking. They back there running their mouth. They back there chopping their gums. And Jesus said, What what was y'all talking about? And they kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone, would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. The disciples, they get a little heated. They get a little mad because they like, oh, what, what y'all trying to do? Because you remember uh, James and, and John, right? You they, 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 remember their mama came and, and, you know, like mamas do, mama came. And it, obviously with mama's boys, mama came. And said, uh, you know, want to know, man? You know, what, what, where can they sit in the kingdom? Uh, one, one can one be on the right and one be on the left? You know. And Jesus says to them, man, it's not. It's not even for me to give y'all the seats. But y'all desiring something that I don't know if y'all can handle. Right? Because y'all y'all want some notoriety. Y'all want some recognition, and and I don't know if y'all willing to pay the price for the recognition. And so Jesus in Mark 10, in, in that next chapter, starts dealing with who they are as people and what he requires of them to do. Watch what he says. Here's the first thing. Number one, if you have your outline, say amen. amen. If you need one, raise your hand. Number one, you need to realize the Lord expects you to relate to others differently than unbelievers and the unspiritual. He expects you to relate differently than unbelievers and unspiritual people do. Now I'm saying that because when Jesus talks, listen to what he says. Verse 42, but Jesus called them to himself And he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Jesus makes it clear there's a difference. Between how those in the world view leadership and how those in the kingdom view leadership. And he goes so far as to basically say this there are some who may be in the kingdom, but act like they're not in the kingdom. So these are for, this message is for those who are not saved, and this message is for those who are saved, and this message is for those who are saved but act like they're not saved. And that last group was the disciples. He says, y'all are arguing about who is the greatest. Y'all are walking with me arguing about who is the greatest. Shouldn't even be a discussion, but that's what y'all are focusing on. We got kingdom work to do, and y'all are arguing about who is the greatest. And Jesus says, the Gentile rulers lorded over people and exercised authority over them. Uh, that word for Lord means to control, subjugate, exercise dominion over somebody. And to have authority literally means you have the privilege to do whatever it takes. And whatever you want to accomplish or get from somebody what you want. So it's not just having power, but when you have authority, you can do what you want, however you want it done. And Jesus says, it is not to be that way with you. Now, y'all, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to challenge some of you today. And here's, here's why you're going to be challenged. Because for many of you in here, thank you, Lord. You've got to decide, are you going to be a person in position who is a Christian or are you going to be a Christian person in that position? Let me put a cord in the meter and park here for a second. There's a difference between a Christian lawyer and a lawyer who's a Christian. There's a difference between a Christian accountant And an accountant who is a Christian. Just because you are a Christian doesn't guarantee you going to act like a Christian. Some of y'all got a blank look on your face. So, for example, if you are a Christian who is an accountant, you got to decide what's going to drive what you do. Being an accountant or being a Christian. Because there's some stuff that you may do if you shady as an accountant that you won't do as a Christian who is an accountant. Jesus says a man becomes great, a woman becomes great by doing what Christ says. The world's greatness is self-serving and selfish. God says greatness is seen in you serving. See, when we think about greatness, we think about, for example, uh, how many people does a person control? How much authority does a person over how many people? How many people uh, uh, can that person impose their will on? How, How many people do they direct? Do they give command to? Do they give orders to? And like many people, the disciples were making the mistake of following the wrong examples. They are walking with Jesus, but they're following the example of the world. They're walking with the greatest servant ever. But they're arguing over who's the greatest. Um, So when I came to Good Hope, um, there were Five pastors, associate ministers here, five, and there were five chairs in the pulpit, and it was a traditional setup. And so the center chair was the pastor, and then there were four others, two on each side. And they would run <laughs> to get up in the chairs. Now, and, they, and, they, and they let me know, as Pastor Kimball sat in the middle chair. And so they had kind of worked it out based on seniority, experience, and gifts, who sat in the right side chair closest to him and who sat in the left chair closest to him, and they called themselves the Sons of Thunder. Yeah. And uh, Deacon Smith, they they would sprint to get up in that pulpit, man. They would get up in there. So I messed them up. The first Sunday, I sat down on the floor. I sat down on the floor, and they all looking like, wait a minute, we, we ran up here to sit down close to you, you know, sons of thunder. What, why you, Why you, Pastor, what's wrong? Why, why is Pastor sitting down there? You know, Pastor, you all right? I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. You feel all right? I'm, I'm great. Whole service sat down there. Time for me to preach. I came up and preached. Got through, sat back down. So I did that for about a month. And then it finally dawned on them that I wasn't coming up here anymore. And, uh, and I said to them, I said, you know, I said, if, if you want to show me your commitment, don't beat me to the pulpit. See if you can beat me serving. I, I want to see who gets the other person water first. You ain't got to run and get me water because you think that's going to get you a preaching opportunity. No, I'm going to see how y'all serve each other. Who's going to carry briefcases? Who's going to open doors for folk? Let Let me see your serve. So needless to say, within 60 days, the pulpit was empty. And since I wasn't sitting up there, I just took all the chairs down. And everybody's like, oh, my God, did you see that preacher over at Good Hope tearing that church up? What did he do? He took all the chairs out of the pulpit. See, the kingdom of God stands in stark contrast to the kingdom of the world. I didn't want to sit up here because I recognized that people would be looking at me to see what I'm doing instead of trying to see the Lord. I wasn't trying to be seen. I wasn't trying to be the center attention I want people leaving not talking about how great the preacher is or how great the choir is I want people leaving talking about how great and awesome our God is and sometimes people can't see God when you are too busy trying to stand up and be seen by them you need to realize the Lord expects you to relate to others differently than unbelievers and the unspiritual. Here's the second thing, number two. You need to realize your desire to be great must be matched by your determination to serve. Your desire to be great must be matched by your determination to serve. If I asked you right now, how many of you want to be a great Christian, everybody with that kind of level of commitment and at least wanting to appear to be a Christian of commitment, you would raise your hand and say, yes, I want to be a great Christian. If I said to you, what makes you a great Christian is not how much you know it's how much you're willing to show and how much you're willing to serve. Look at what Mark 10 43 says, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant and whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. Who's the greatest? That word great, megas in the Greek, right? Where we get words like megatron and Megapolis from literally means to be big, to be exceeding, to be great, to be large. Can you imagine the disciples asking the question and, and, and they all trying to be big timey with Jesus there in their midst? They, they, they were trying to base their greatness on how close they sat to Jesus, not how much they walked like Jesus. They, 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 they wanted to be seen as great based on where, where they were standing. Um, I was at an event this past week and I was sitting there, I was doing some work and I was looking at my phone and, and they said, come on, let's take a picture. And, and so everybody grabbed and they wanted to get right close to the person and I was like, I, I, mean, I didn't even move. And when they got through taking a picture, uh, they said uh they said uh uh Kofi, man you didn't get in the picture. I said man, I ain't come to take pictures, I can't take care of business. Now later on we took another picture, and it's like, oh no, Kofi, you gotta get in this picture, you gotta get in this picture. I'm like, man, I man, I don't need to take no picture. I know what I look like, I'm good. <laughs> right? But but the challenge is Man, that we want to be great. We want to stand next to greatness. We, we, we want to appear to be something. And Jesus says, according to the world standards, greatness is the reducing of somebody to a place beneath us or the ability to exercise power and authority over them. And Jesus says, greatness and the kingdom is not reducing other people to one service, but it's in reducing yourself in service to others. Jesus tells us this, there's nothing wrong with desiring greatness. You just got to know how greatness shows up. So he challenges them. He says, whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. That word servant, diakonos, in the original language, literally means minister. It is used to define in part and parcel the job description of the ones that we call deacons. They are diakonoi, right? That they are servants, and people who are servants serve to meet the needs of others in the way that that need needs to be met so that they can experience the love of God for themselves. He says, whoever desires to be first shall be the slave of all. Uh, that word slave, loss is a voluntary or involuntary position of servitude. It is the lowest term on the scale of servitude. And it's one, listen carefully, who gives up their will to do the will of another, They give up their will to do the will of another. Now, watch this. I'm going to mess somebody up right now. See, when Jesus says you and I are to be servants, um, we would be good with that except for three things. Here's the first one. We are cool with the concept of serving, but we want to be served more than we want to serve. Let, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Um, imagine breakfast in bed. Uh, the smell of bacon, sausage, coffee, green tea wafting through the air. Grits, hash browns. Not either or both. You got a choice. Grits are the perfect consistency, forming those little craters for the butter to roll in. Whether you use sugar or salt, it doesn't matter. Toast made just right. And imagine the door opens, the tray is being carried. Juice, flour, water. A perfect breakfast in bed tray. And here's the problem. Every one of y'all selfish folk put yourself in the bed. I ain't say you was in the bed. Oh, you was all in there. You was like, yeah, honey, you hear him, right? Baby, you used to do that for me. Oh, you was all up in the bed. You are, yeah. No, Pat, I like my bacon crispy. Yeah, can I get some cheese on them eggs? You know what I mean, right? You was all into yourself. Not one of you was carrying the tray. Not one of you leaned over to your spouse and said, "Baby, how you want your eggs in the morning?" I'm bringing you breakfast. No, you was in the bed. And if you can't say "Amen," you ought to say, "Ouch!" Because we want to be served more than we think about serving. Here's the second problem: If we do serve <laughs> don't treat me like a servant. Now i serve, served, but now hold on, hold whoa, whoa, wait man, hold. Who are you talking to? I ain't no doormat, don't be, Don't be treat me like no. Oh, listen. We had that problem with the food pantry, y'all. Oh, yeah, we used to have that problem, man. It was major. I mean, we were serving once a month. And folk coming through. And guess what, man? You coming in and you trying to get. First of all, for some, they never even thought they would need a food pantry for help. Month is longer than the money. They struggling. They going through whatever they going through. They come through the food pantry. And people who were in the food pantry serving—they ain't there no more. They're not there anymore. But with serving, come on, mm, look at that attitude. Because the person didn't say thank you, or I, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. I don't, I don't eat that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm allergic. We just take it and give it to somebody else. But I don't, I don't want, I don't want that. Beggars can't be choosy. These folk around here, they get on my nerves. Wait, hold on, servant. What you mean they get on your nerves? Servant of God? You offended because somebody told you they didn't like something? Servant of God? Because we don't mind serving. Just don't treat me like one. Don't talk to me like one. So folk get mad. Who they, talk Who they think they're talking to like that? They, they look, they're lucky I know Jesus because if, if they had caught me before, it seems like it's a problem they caught you now. Here's the third problem I see. We are typically okay with serving the Lord. If we just have a problem, We're serving other people, especially when we feel they're unworthy of our service. Uh, So one of the things I love about the service projects is it gives you an opportunity to serve people that you normally wouldn't serve. So when you go down to the Beacon Homeless Day Center, they have two job responsibilities. Volunteers go in and cook, 7 a.m. shift. You cook for the breakfast shift and you take care of the breakfast and you help clean up and you can go at 10 and you can cook food for lunch, right? And that's cool. That's cool. But but I love the laundry duty. Here's why I love the laundry duty. Laundry duty, the homeless come in with their dirty clothes and they put them in a bag and you take their bag, and wash their clothes. And then, when you get through washing and drying their clothes, you fold them up and give them a stack of clothes with dignity and respect. Now, some of y'all don't fold your own clothes. You don't wash your own clothes. Some of you do. You wash. You don't necessarily fold, but you wash. Because you figure they're going to get wrinkled anyway, so you just, you know, you just pull them out the clean clothes, right, right? I got you. I understand. But to serve others who you may deem to be unworthy of your service and to take their clothes and fold them and give them back to them clean, And I would tell our team, when you give it back to them, tell them, thank you for letting us serve you. Thank you for the privilege. Because watch this. It's a privilege to be able to serve and be like Jesus. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you need to follow the example of Jesus and live a life marked by giving, not getting. You need to follow the example of Jesus and live a life marked by giving, not getting. Verse 45 says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He did not come to be served, but to serve. Let's be honest, we have been overly impacted and influenced by this give me, give me, give me, give me, give me society that we live in. We buy more stuff than we need to impress people we don't even know. Trying to look like a million dollars and we got a thousand in the bank. Jesus says, man, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And if you're my followers, I want you to live in a way to serve others. Now, here's the problem. Most of us know what to do. We just don't want to do it. I mean, mean, honestly, just don't want to do it. Um, I was listening to James Cohen. James Cohen is the uh, father of black liberation theology. And I'm listening to him, a YouTube piece. And uh, James Cohen has a very unique voice, very distinctive voice, kind of high-pitched voice. Uh, Brilliant thinker, brilliant mind. And he is at this book release talking to a group of people who would consider themselves liberals. Um, They were woke before woke became a term. And so one of the ladies was a leader at this predominantly white Presbyterian church. She says, Dr. Cohen, I don't know if uh, my pastors told you that uh, the organizer of our church, our pastor, marched in Selma. And it's it's like this crazy response. He's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Like, okay. And she says, and I don't know if our pastor told you that our campus was a stop on the Underground Railroad. And Dr. Cohn goes, "Mm mm-hmm, okay. And she says, but as a committed white person, I want to know what I can do to help fight racism. What can I do? And as she's talking, he says, you already know. He's got this high-pitched voice. like, "You you already know. And she's talking about, well, what can I do? What can I do? He said, you already know. And obviously she's like, no, I don't know. And he's like, oh, yes, you do. You already know. He said, you already know what to do. You're asking the wrong question. The question is not, what should you do? The better question is, are you willing to pay the price? He said, the question for King wasn't what to do. The question was, was he willing to pay the price? Jesus knew what to do. The question was, was he willing to pay the price? The disciples knew what they were commanded to do. The question was, were they willing to pay the price? Fast forward. We know what God has called us to do. The question is, are we willing to pay the price? And watch this. The price may not be your life. The price just may be how you live in. Because if it's not convenient, if I don't feel it, if it doesn't flow with my, right, I'm, mm, I don't know if I'm going to do that. All the millennials make some noise. All the millennials make some noise. All the Gen Zs, any Gen Zs in here make some noise. Yeah. So, so here's, here's your problem. No, 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 no. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you today. Here's your problem. Your problem is many of y'all choose comfort over commitment. And when that commitment becomes inconvenient, you go back to what is comfortable, which keeps you from making the commitment you need to make in order to be successful. Listen, you will accomplish nothing great in life if you are not committed to it. Whatever you commit yourself to, that is what you are most likely to accomplish, and if you are committed to nothing, guess what you'll end up with? Nothing or close to it. You got to choose, are you going to live based on convenience or commitment, right? Uh, We've had had some young people walk off the job and leave a check. Now, y'all, I I ain't never been that offended by anybody that I'm going to leave a check with my name on it. Oh, no, I'm getting my check. I I was just too stressed. I couldn't come back. What? You too stressed to get your check? Oh, that's more stress than I ever want to have, y'all. Mm-mm. Jesus says, I came to serve. Not out of convenience and comfort. I came and my act was an act of commitment. And so I'm saying to you today, we've got to learn to serve better. But, but, but here's the key. Here's the key. Uh, the service that we need to give are not the opportunities to serve in here. See, the question is, are you willing to submit and sacrifice your desires to become what you need to be in order to help others become all they can be? Are you willing to... Help others become all they can be by being the best you can be, understanding that the best you can be is not when you are being served, but when you are serving. Uh, When they talk about the greatest players of all time, whatever the sport, especially a team sport, uh, they typically will pull out statistics and show their individual accomplishments but, but very rarely do they talk about the greatest in terms of their team's accomplishment, right? And, listen carefully, how much better they made the people around them. Um, I'm not that old, but I'm a historian, and I caught, for example, Bill Russell, center for the Boston Celtics at the end of his career, But I was always fascinated when I look back at his college career and see how many points and rebounds he averaged. And those numbers went down in the NBA, but it was because he had a great team around him and he made sure everybody around him was better. He scored when he had to, but because he didn't have to, they won 11 championships. He ran out of fingers for the rings because he had a great team around him. They, they, they want to argue, uh, uh, Brother Ward, they want to argue about who's the greatest point guard of all time. It, it's hard to beat magic. It's hard to beat magic. Not because he scored the most points, because he didn't. Not because he had the most assists, because he didn't. Not because he had the most rebounds, because he didn't. But because he made everybody on the team better. Man, man, there are guys like Michael Cooper and uh, going into the Hall of Fame because they played with Michael Jordan. They'd have never made the Hall of Fame without that brother distributing the ball. Let me ask you a question. Who's a better Christian because you serve? Who's a better person because of your commitment to serve them? Is your spouse better because of your commitment to serve Or are you busy in the bed waiting for breakfast to come to you in your mind? (laughs) Are your children better because you have a servant's heart? Are your grandchildren better because you have a servant's heart? Are the unchurched and unsaved better because you have a servant's heart? See, serving others is the way you go to where hurting people are. Serving others is the way you grow in your walk with God And how you help other people grow. Serving others is the way you show the love of God in a tangible way to people who need it desperately even if you don't think they deserve it. Serving others is the way we help the kingdom of God grow numerically and spiritually. And just in case you think serving others only blesses them. Serving others is the catalyst to your own spiritual growth and development. I I think I got some witnesses in here who can testify. When you go to serve, you may start off thinking you're going to be a blessing to them. And in the midst of your serving, when you leave, you leave recognizing that you were more blessed than the blessing you could ever get. Do I have two or three people who can testify to that today? Our service is arguably the most powerful tool we have to testify to a dying world that our God is alive and well. Our service shows that God can change the lives of people because he changed our lives. And if he could change us, He could change anybody else. Let me tell you something about serving, and then I'm going to let you go. That's so vital. Christian service creates ministry opportunities to show the world that God is real. Christian service helps people to come to know Jesus. And Christian service helps people to grow in Jesus. Can, can I tell y'all something? You know, years ago, um, we used to talk about evangelism and and invite people to your church. Invite people to your church. And, and the invitation to church was an invitation to sit. Right? Unless they ushered or sang in the choir, they, 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 they would come and sit. And... Typically, our invitations was around the church churchtainment value of the church. Ooh, you got to come here! I new pastor—he young, he good-looking, he can <laughs> preach, pray, and sing. Ooh, you need to come here! Our pastor, right? Um, I, I didn't realize that, you know, when I first got to the church, I was getting a whole lot of that stuff, right? And then when I stopped being the youngest. And and the handsomeness and all that. They had some folk that started going to other churches where the, the new pastor was younger and, you know. Or come hear our choir. Ooh, we got a singing choir. We got a new worship leader. Ooh, that choir can sing. And here we come to be church tamed. Here's what we've learned the new invitation is not an invitation to come and sit. It's an invitation to come and serve. No, no, I want you all to hear me. If there's somebody that that God has really put on your heart to try to lead to Christ, to try to win to Christ, don't invite him to come to church. Invite him to come and serve. Here's what we have discovered. Unchurched, unsaved, atheists are looking for meaning and purpose in their lives. They are lonely and their lives are empty. They figured out during the pandemic that money can't buy you happiness. And the stuff that they thought they couldn't live without, they found out that they not only can live without it, they don't need it. They're looking for meaning and purpose. When you say, hey, we're going to serve the homeless, why don't you come down with us? You say come to church, man, I don't want nobody preaching at me. You sitting up there, man, with that pulpit pimp, I ain't mm, I ain't down with that. Come on, y'all know that's the PG version. You know they be talking about me like that. Now, I ain't talking about me. I mean, they talk about preachers like, they be talking about me like that? But when you say, hey, come volunteer down at the food pantry. Come go down to the homeless shelter. Come over. We're going to deal with uh, some, some men who are living in a halfway house. We're going over here to deal with these sisters. Come on. Come on, cousin. Come serve with me. Even a hardened sinner will come and serve and walk out of there talking about, I feel, man, I feel good about that, man. Man, when can we do that again? Right? When, you, when your family gathers, man, have a serving project. And the whole family, we're going to go serve together. Right? Because it is through service that we show the world how real God is. Because what we become are living billboards, advertising, walking billboards, advertising. The saving and sanctifying power of God. And somebody's going to look at you and say, well, shoot, if he could do it for you, I know I ain't as bad as you. He could do it for me, too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I pray now, God, that everything that has been done and said has been pleasing in your sight. Um, God, I pray that as we move forward forward. In our life and living, not just through our life groups, but even individually, even those opportunities, God, that you will bring about by the power of your Holy Spirit to serve others. Help us to be a Christian witness, not by what we say, but by how we live. Showing your love to others. We thank you. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Here's the wonderful thing that I forgot to tell you. There's not only joy that you get in serving, but the Lord rewards faithful servants. Yeah. Phrase goes something like this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few. I'll make you ruler over many. And that's ultimately we we all want to hear. As Reverend Bell comes to extend the invitation, I want everybody here to just challenge yourself to make yourself available to God. Here's the challenge that we have Many times we'll do it, and we'll do it first time. But once the newness wears off, we fall back into our old ways. And and I want to challenge you today to do what is new until new becomes your norm. Right? Do what is new until new becomes your norm. And it becomes a way of life. That's why the song... Mark is playing now is so appropriate. We can sing it together. Lord, I'm available to you. Lord, I'm available to you. It's really a prayer to God. My will. My will I give to
2: you. I'll do what you say, do use me, Lord. To show, to show someone the way, the way and enable me to say, to say My storage is, is empty.
0: Come on, tell the Lord, and, I, and am. I am available to you. Listen, there's no greater joy in life than to be used by God. To make a difference in somebody's life in time and eternity. Sing, Elder.
2: Lord, I'm available
0: to you. Come on, tell the Lord, my will I give to you.
2: My will I give to you. I'll do what you say do. I'll do what you say do. me Lord Lord, come on to show someone the way to show someone the way
0: and enable me to say and
2: enable me to say my storage is empty my storage is empty
0: and I am and I am available to come on everybody who can everybody who will stand on your feet wherever you are Come on, I dare you to sing that to the Lord one more time. Come on, Lord, Lord. Come on, tell the Lord I'm, I'm available.
2: available to you. Come on, I dare you to say my will. I give my will. I give to my you. Give to I'll, you. Do you do. I'll do what you say. I'll do what you say. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Show someone the way. Show someone the way. And Lord, enable enable me to say. Enable me to say. My storage is empty. My storage is empty. And I am. And I am available. My storage storage is is empty. Lord, have mercy. And I am. And I am. Oh